Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Journey, a 16-week odyssey of grit, determination, endurance, and will, where the weak are exposed and the strong revered. From Bleed Entertainment, this is Falcon's Flight. Insights and analysis on your Atlanta Falcons. Now, here's Robert Taylor and your host, Brian Giffen. It is Falcon's Flight, episode number eight. And it is, of course, a recap of week two of the NFL season. And Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor, and joining us via the phone here in the opening segment, our friend from the Atlanta Falcons, Scott Johns. And guys, I don't even know where to begin. This, as I was telling both of you before we began here, was perhaps the most Atlanta sports team loss I think I've ever seen. Rob, what do you think? No comment. <laughs> it was just, I, I don't even know where to begin. Obviously, Scott, good to have you aboard. I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever seen a team cover an onside kick as though it were a punt. Get away from it, get away from it, and have it cost them the game. Not only the game, but one where you led by 20 points, you created all these turnovers, you did so many things well. What a dud ending to just an unbelievable day. Well, there's no question. I mean, the way they covered it was like they didn't understand the fact that the receiving team has to let it go 10 yards. Kicking team has to let it go 10 yards. The receiving team does not. And that's, that's on coaching completely. That's something that you learn from peewee, middle school, school, high school. You learn how to cover an offside kick. You learn the rules, and it's the same at every level. I can't imagine what was said on the sidelines before all this went on. It's pretty embarrassing as a unit, for sure. And there was a timeout called before it, as there routinely is, which... I think makes it even more astounding. I get it that you can have a brain fart or a mental moment, but there were multiple players around the ball that simply just fall on it. Hello? Hello? Anybody home? Hey, think with flying things. Well, we got a whole lot coming up for you on this show. Obviously, we'll hear from a number of different things. Falcons, we'll hear a lot from Dan Quinn, whose seat just got considerably hotter, I believe, We'll also get some comments from Julio Jones and, of course, Matt Ryan as we move forward in the show. Coming up in the middle section of the show, we'll have Joey Christopoulos from Chicago. He hosts not one but two podcasts here on the Believe Entertainment Network, both Believe in Bears and Betting Chicago. Joey will join us in the middle portion of the show. Speaking of betting... The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So in the end, a 40-39 to 39 loss on the road, a game that seemingly was in hand, but a game that, Scott, we talked about it before we even went on, Dan Quinn said yesterday, no more tales of two halves, but this one certainly was. One where they dominated the first half, even if you look at the defensive stats, there's some unbelievable numbers. 14 first downs and 203 yards in the first half. Then they turn around and allow the Cowboys to go 5 of 7 on third downs, 19 first downs and 367 in the second half of the game. In the end, you gave up 570 yards of offense and somehow blew a huge lead. Yeah, it's what I attribute it to is, is the fact that Atlanta seems to have a good game plan every week open the game in the first half, and that's all well and good. But as we've learned, you have to be able to finish games. And from what I can tell is the Atlanta coaching staff and the coach of Dan Quinn is not adjusting to the other team's adjustments. So what Dallas did is they ran more trap plays inside offensively and established the run in the second half, and that allowed everything else to open up because we really had to start to 
stop the bleeding, so to speak, in the run game. Zeke Elliott was ripping off chunk yardage at one point, and then that opened up everything. Everyone was pretty much one-on-one on the outside, and of course you give Dak that kind of time, he's going to take you apart like any other NFL quarterback. But the fact that the defensive staff didn't adjust to what Dallas was doing and stuck with their original game plan when the dynamic of the game had changed, I don't want to say there's no hope for this coaching staff, but they've got to do the right things at halftime and, and in the second half to adjust to what the opposition's doing. And, and I'm just not seeing that. Quite frankly, it's, it's a trend that's been going on for a while now. Scott, to add insult to injury, the cowboy that recovered the onside kick is a former Falcon. Now, he said yeah. he said he knew it was coming. He said he knew it was going to happen. And he said that the players – he said there'd been rule changes and they couldn't touch the ball either. Now I couldn't find anything on that. Do you know anything about rule changes with onside kicks? Cause what I saw in the game Sunday, I'm screaming. I, I did see the tail end of it. I'm screaming, just fall on the ball because it doesn't have to go 10 yards before they can touch it. Well, the rule changes have more to do with where the kicking team can start from and how much of a jump they can get on the ball. The rule's always been the same in terms of who can touch the ball before what designated yard line. And then, of course, that's 10 yards. The receiving team can touch it at any time. The kicking team can't touch it until it goes 10 yards, and that's never changed. That makes you wonder, like I said a little while ago, what was the mix-up? What was going through the players' heads when they were watching the ball spin on the ground? Three of them, at one point, had a clear shot at it, jump on it, the ball game's over. It's almost like they got it in their head that they couldn't jump on it because it didn't go 10 yards. You're not on the right side of the ball for that rule to apply. And it's just a real head-scratcher for professional sports, really any level, to not know that rule and to not execute it in such a crucial moment. There's no doubt about it. They teach you as early as five, six years old what to do on an onside kick. The other thing is it was such an agonizing, slow roller, and the second that it crossed the 10-yard mark while people are standing there looking at it, this guy falls. It was just an unbelievable sequence. of. I've never seen anything like it before in my life at any level. Yeah, same here. And, and it's something that, look, I mean, you you know, sometimes you just have to take the lesson. And it's a hard one to learn. I mean, a loss like that is moralizing, even if it's only temporary. But it's one of those things, you know, you get back to practice and you go, okay, I guarantee they won't repeat that again. And sucks to lose the game, you know, the way we did. But if there's any positivity to be gained, it's that the, the coaching staff will look at this and go, okay, never again. And you can pretty much guarantee that they'll write the ship in that regard. Let's hope so. Now, for me, it was kind of reminiscent of a Super Bowl from recent memory, where everyone in the entire building knew run it twice, kick a field goal, take the trophy home. Sounds simple enough. And I know there's other variables at work when we talk about that. But, again, versus Dallas, onside kick, fall on it. It was like slow motion. I could just hear some guy from the sidelines going like, fall on it. You know, I mean, it's just – yeah, <laughs> and, and, and again, for the second time, what is basically Football 101, and we got a lot of episodes left, but I really want to go back one day and have you on and just dissect this entire Super Bowl because to me, it's, I'm still, and I know I'm living in the past a little bit here, but I'm still dumbfounded as why the drunkest guy, and I was working that day at the restaurant, and of course we had all the TVs on, but the drunkest guy in the whole place knew <laughs> to give it off two more times and run Matt Bryan out there and kick it for the win. So I guess one more question I got, and it may seem small now, but do you see this could be like a seed that has been planted, like a seed of division? Because Arthur Blank came out in the news and said, I don't think our guys really understood the rule. I don't think they knew what was going on. But Dan Quinn very emphatically disagreed with Arthur and said they knew exactly what was happening. But it seems in this case that Arthur's right. But Do you see that as kind of maybe a little small crack in the armor? No, because I think what happens, the owner's going to come out and speak, and some of the more vocal owners do. I mean, it, it's just kind of what you have to deal with as a player and as a coach sometimes. It's one of those things that now that, you know, the players are back up to Flattery Branch, it's, it's on to the Bears. And as cliche as that sounds and as Belichick-like as that sounds, you know, they're not worried about what Arthur Blank had to say in the media. I mean, it's more about them getting the ship righted. You can't dwell on what happened. You can certainly learn from it, but I guarantee it's all business up there in Flattery Branch right now. We're a pretty solid organization top to bottom, and I don't think that a comment like that is really going to divide the locker room or the coaching staff or fundamentally. I don't see that being a problem, but I will mention this now. I'm going to go ahead and start a petition to disallow the Atlanta Falcons to ever play a game in the state of Texas again. Seems like every time we go out there, Something like this happens only in the state of Texas. So I'm going to see if I can get that petition going, and I expect your signatures on it immediately. 
There are some eye-popping numbers to touch on here. And this, as we all know, was a, at minimum, playoffs or bust season for Dan Quinn. So here you go. 16 of 148 teams that started 0-2 went on to make the playoffs since 2002. That makes the odds pretty long. Not impossible, but pretty long. The other thing is that in the course of time, teams that scored at least 39 points and created at least four turnovers were 440 and 0 entering this game. To correct you, I think it's 444 and 0, and now it's 444 and 1. We all know who the one is. That's a heck of a thing, though, to digest when you look at some of the... First of all, you know, you don't want your backs to be against the wall in week three, and I'm sure they're not looking at it that way. There's a lot of football left at play, but some of those numbers don't bode well for what was a playoffs or bust type of season. Well, it's certainly not the start that you wanted if you're Dan Quinn and the players and the coaches and everyone alike, even the fans, but the reality is this: there's different dynamics each season. And look, 0-2 is obviously not ideal, but there's a lot of football to be played. The two glimmers of hope that I have, because I do still think we're a very good football team that will adjust the correct way to start winning some ball games. Here's what gives me hope. One is there's an extra playoff seed this year. So even if we catch fire late, rattle off some wins and get ourselves in a position of maybe being 9-7 or 10-6, and six, you know, who's to say we don't grab that last one or win the division? Because quite frankly, no one in this division is impressing me. Carolina has taken a huge step back. Drew Brees is struggling to throw the ball more than 10 yards down the field. And, and Tampa Bay, just, they're very inconsistent. So this is still anybody's division. And I don't know, obviously 0-2, you're not going to panic at 0-2, but your thoughts start to creep in. All it takes is one win, a convincing win against Chicago Sunday to right the ship and, and get things back on track. But as for now, you're right. I mean, there's not a lot to, to hang your hat on. Let's get into our sound cuts, if we may. Here is the embattled now, I probably more than ever, Dan Quinn on the Dallas loss. It's tough to put a loss like that in place. I told the team there has to be a lesson in pain of that loss, and uh, I'm sure we will work into that as we're getting into our preparation for next week. But definitely uh, one that stings. Number one, you just go and attack it week at a time. I'm obviously disappointed in the way that the game ended because, as I said, there's a lesson to be learned in the loss to say you have to go finish it out. I think this is going to be a very good team. We're not there today, but the improvement we want to make, what we can become, that is all out there for us. So once we get past it, we'll put all our attention and focus on the Chicago. There's not a good place to put a loss like this, but there is going to be a lesson that you have to take out from the paint. It may come down to a finishing moment. There may be a teaching one, whether it's the special teams one, there's an offensive one, a defensive one. All of them are in there, and that's what we'll hit on tomorrow and then turn the page as we're heading into Chicago. That's a very resilient group. This is poor veterans at a number of spots. They're pissed, but they are 100% committed to getting our season on track like we expect us to. So that's what I expect from our guys. And Quinn, even with a little bit of a chuckle there toward the end of that comment, here are his thoughts on what was said in that timeout that we discussed was called right before the onside kick. I think in that space, what we try to do is if you have a timeout, you want to see if there's an overload to a side, not an overload, but you know a direction that you're going to see. And so that's what we did. We call that moment, hey, we're just trying to – correct what we're going to see if it comes up and looked like it was a slow roller as opposed to a high bouncer and uh we've got to go capture it you know when the moment comes so i'll get a better view of it tonight but from where i saw it was a slow roller and one that we should you know make the aggressive move to go get it you guys talked about it a couple of moments ago about the rule here is quinn on the fact that the players definitely know the rule this goes back to to what robert was saying that arthur blank and dan quinn seemingly at least in terms of their comments on different pages about that here's quinn well i think they definitely know the front three are usually blocking as they're going in the high bouncers go to the second side so the front line Generally on an onside kick, they're looking to get a block first. Then it goes, you know, the high hop goes to the next player. So when that instance happens and it's not one that is a high hopper, then you just transfer in and you go to your ball. But you're looking at your assignment first of who you have to go block, certainly the ball and then your assignment. So they definitely know the rule. And Quinn goes on to talk about the fact that, you know, they, don't, they dot every I and cross every T, and they do work on onside kicks in practice. There's different ones to do. You can get a high bounce or try to fake one way and come back. And so – with five to a side, you generally don't have a number of different ways to do it. 
we've actually been on the other side of that of recovering some of the onside kicks. So to lose one today when we do spend a good bit of time on that, um, you know, certainly hurt. One of the bright spots in this game and one of the continuing bright spots through an 0-2 start, the play of Calvin Ridley, who had a huge game against Dallas. Here are Quinn's thoughts on Ridley's game and the offense in general. You know, he's somebody we've been talking about from training camp all the way through. I think his mindset of what he came into, into training camp, the improvement that he made, he's just really on his games. And so the opportunities with him and who and Russell's now, you know, kind of making his space. We saw, you know, some good ones to Hayden. So I think Matt is finding his rhythm with all of the players. But Calvin came into the season with maybe some extra that I saw in the improvement side. And it's really carrying forward into the games. I mentioned this last week. What is it with Quinn and the word space all of a sudden? That's become a big part of his vernacular. Yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, <laughs> he gets, I guess they get these words. It's like a calendar word of the day on it. They just they overuse it, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> it's modern it's, coach speak is what you're saying. We mentioned Julio Jones, and Julio tweaked a hamstring in the game, and you know, reportedly that affected him, dropped a touchdown pass that should have been a 41-yarder from Russell Gage, of all people. Here are Julio's thoughts on the loss, and Julio, not surprisingly, still positive. We're still positive, very positive team. But, you know, it sucks when you lose the way we lost today. But at the end of the day, we're not going to let it define who we are. We just got to keep getting better. As you can see, like, I mean, we have all the potential. It's all upside for our team, both sides of the ball. We just got to put everything together. And Julio, of course, a member of the hands team. And most people say he was six to seven yards behind this play where the Cowboys recovered the onside kick. Here are Jones's thoughts on that play. It's just more so some things that, you know, we just got to go over that situation and just learn from it. At the end of the day, we just got to learn that we got to attack that ball and things like that. I mean, it's nobody to blame. It's all of us. Like I said, the communication and understanding what we need to do in those situations. We have a very positive team. Guys come out here and play for one another. I mean, they play the ass off. We just didn't finish the way we wanted to finish. We didn't execute what we wanted to execute later on in the game, you know. But at the end of the day, that's on us. we got to control that and just do better next time. As has become customary or been customary for a long time, even in a tough day, Matt Ryan had a big game for the Falcons. Here are Ryan's thoughts on the onside kick and, of course, how to respond. You know, I was standing on the sidelines, so my angle wasn't great. But, you know, obviously a great play by them, a great kick, and credit to them of executing in that situation. I think the message is there's nothing you can say today. This one stings and it sucks, but, you know, we got to get back to work. The only thing we can do is control what we do moving forward. And so, you know, that'll be my message to the guys that we got a lot of football to play and, you know, we got to change the outcome of this. And the only way to do that is to work. And lastly, Matt Ryan talking here a little bit about, as a team leader, how he expects the team to respond and what his message to the team is. I think you got to get the message across that, you know, it's a marathon. There's no question this one stings and it hurts, but, you know, a lot can happen. We got 14 games to go in the regular season, so there's plenty of time to get done what we need to get done, but we've got to close out games when we get chances like this. All right, so that is your sound files for this week in a Pretty devastating 40-39 to 39 loss on the part of the Falcons in Dallas against the Cowboys. So they fall to 0-2, guys. Obviously, you face a Chicago Bears team that is 2-0, but the jury's out a little bit on Mitchell Trubisky, what kind of player he is, and they haven't exactly lit it up in terms of the quality of opponents they've played, the Bears thus far. They are coming down here to Atlanta. Robert, thoughts at all on what the Falcons have to do against the Chicago Bears, aside from covering onside kick? Win. Simple as that. Win. The Falcons' defense forced three turnovers against the Cowboys. That's great. In two games, they've given up 78 points and 953 yards from the line of scrimmage. I'm going to tell Dan Quinn right now, shut up with the we're pissed. If I hear Dan Quinn say we're pissed or these guys are pissed one more time, what are you going to do? That's all I'm asking. You still have a job. You said you're not going to make any coaching changes. What are you going to do? And I'm still positive, but I'm not going to listen to, well, there's still 14 games. There's still 13 games much longer. I think right now the time is now. You've got to get a win in Chicago, period. And, Scotty, as we look at this one, one of the problems the Falcons have had that is a glaring one on the defensive side of the ball, they have allowed opponents to convert touchdowns on 9 of 10 red zone trips. That's pretty tough to overcome. And then on the other side of it, 
the Bears coming in here are three of six in red zone scoring, period. Field goals, touchdowns, what have you. Maybe they get a break in that category this week against a team that's not as efficient in that area. But that's a glaring number that needs to be addressed right away. Well, I think it is on both sides. And, you know, with their inconsistency and our consistently, you know, bad red zone defense, you know, eventually the bill of the ball comes due and, you you know, one of the teams is going to have to step up and, and change the trend. And I fully anticipate that being the focus defensively this week in practice. And, and it has to be. I mean, they're going to have to go and look at what Chicago likes to do offensively in the red zone and really clamp down on that. And not just know the tendencies, but prepare for it. And Raheem Morris, and one thing that he's got to get better at doing is disguising coverages pre-snap. Because you face Dak Prescott, who's been in this league for some years now, and he's a more cerebral quarterback than you would think. And then, of course, in week one, you played probably one of the better ones, probably top five, in my opinion, in Russell Wilson. So when you're not disguising those coverages, especially in the red zone, you're going to struggle because the quarterback is obviously going to know where he's going with the ball, usually before they even break the huddle. So it's an area of focus for sure. You win in the red zone, you know, obviously it goes a long way towards winning the ball game. And even the little moments, and I think that can be chalked up to that you know, kind of in the confines of those little moments is what do you do on third and goal to go? You know, those are the moments you absolutely have to win. And it's situational football. And Dan Quinn preaches that constantly, but it's been an area that we've needed to address for some time now. Last thing quickly that we'll clean up here, four significant, at least in terms of that game, injuries. First of all, Caleb McGarry left the game with a knee injury. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Foye Olakun, who had a very good first half defensive end, Tack McKinley with a groin, and Ricardo Allen with an elbow, left the game. The defense noticeably was worse statistically, understandably, without those three guys. The good news or the silver lining, Quinn said yesterday that all of those guys may miss a week, but those injuries are far less major than originally feared. That said, Scott, we appreciate you joining us in the first segment of the show. We'll look forward to having you on with us to recap what happens against Chicago, and we'll hope for a better result. I appreciate it, guys. Hopefully we'll get a win and talk about some positives. Scott Johns joining us from the Atlanta Falcons. As always, we appreciate Scott right here. We will take a timeout. Coming up on the other side of the break, Joey Christopoulos out of Chicago, hosts both Believe in Bears and Betting Chicago. We'll have Joey on the other side of the break. This is Falcons Flight. Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor, thanks again to Scott Johns. Back with more after this timeout. Mr. Hardwood is Atlanta's premier flooring expert, but hardwood is just the beginning. Mr. Hardwood also installs laminate, tile, vinyl, carpet, and more. Your home is likely your biggest investment. Not only can you enhance its value with beautiful new floors, but our lifetime transferable warranty will enhance the value even more. If you stand on it, Mr. Hardwood stands behind it. Mr. Hardwood is committed to setting the industry standard for all your uniquely designed and professionally installed flooring solutions. Our number one goal is to exceed our customers' needs by providing value, quality, and exceptional service even after the sale. We take great pride in high-quality craftsmanship and integrity and are not satisfied until we have exceeded your expectations. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts. To set up your free consultation, call Mr. Hardwood today at 770-318-8880 or go to mrhardwoodinc.com. Like in football, whether it's in business, recreation, or life, you need a game plan. Is your computer running slow? Is it infected with viruses or malware? Maybe you're a gamer and really want a custom-built computer specifically for gaming. Perhaps like us, you want a lightning-fast, state-of-the-art, solid-state drive to replace that clunky, old-school one in your machine. Your game plan for any of this should be Computers Plus. A lot of the components we use to produce and bring you Falcon's Flight have been upgraded or provided by Computers Plus. Computers Plus is located in Ackworth, Georgia at 3330 Cobb Parkway Northwest, Suite 154. But wherever you are, they can help. Stop in and see them. They also feature a full line of accessories and refurbished equipment. Give them a call today at 770-693-0769 or check them out at computersplususa.com. You'll be glad you did. It is Falcons Flight Edition 8, and it is Week 2, recapping Week 2, looking ahead to Week 3 
of the regular season 2020. Weird year, weird season thus far that it seems to be shaping up to be, and we certainly know from a year perspective already has been. Brian Giffen with Robert Taylor. want to remind you that Falcon's Flight is a production of Believe Entertainment, the number one site for podcast professionals. Joining us now, a guy who hosts a couple of shows here on the Believe Entertainment Network, Joey Christopoulos in Chicago. He hosts Believe in Bears as well as Betting Chicago. Joey, good to have you aboard. The Bears are off to a pretty good start. Obviously a very weird game for the Atlanta Falcons out in Dallas. What are your thoughts on this matchup? What are your thoughts on the Bears thus far through two games? Certainly will be interesting because the Falcons definitely need to win and the Bears would like to keep rolling. Now we are 2-0, and but does it really feel 2-0 and in Chicago? Not necessarily. You know, I'm happy but eternally frustrated, so that must make me a Bears fan right now. <laughs> And Bears, and Bears fans, certainly, I mean, we're looking a lot in-house about what we can clean up and get better, but we are very, very aware about how explosive the Falcons are. And it's really going to come down to, right, can we stop Matt Ryan and can Mitch Trubisky score some points? So it should be really interesting. I mean, you guys got to pick up this win, so it should be tight. Joey, I got to tell you, your name is probably the most Chicago name I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> um so your Bears lead the series 14-13. Falcons won the last matchup, and that was in 2017. I know because I was there. I was so high up I could see the sailboats on Lake Michigan. The Falcons won that one 23-17. And I got to say, of all the NFL games I've been to, I had the best time at the Bears game because the fans were fantastic. My buddy and I that went up, they had this huge sports weekend up there. Georgia played Notre Dame. Vince Dooley threw out the first pitch of the Cubs game. Bears-Falcons to finish up the weekend. But we ended up meeting a guy that owned Yoxies in Wrigleyville, and they had the most amazing tailgate set up. And so that's just my Chicago story or my Bears story. I guess my question for you, key matchups, when you turn the game on Sunday, what are you looking for? What are you watching? Well, for us, really, again, it's the tale of Mitch Trubisky. And everyone likes to talk about, especially nationally, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. You know, Mitch Trubisky gets his own press. Is bad press good press in this situation? Probably not necessarily so. But he's put together three really great quarters, five really bad quarters. And just what I'll tell Falcons fans is that, you know, the guy can find it as quick as he can lose it. And he can get super hot at times during games. How long he can extend that for during a game is another question. But we're really looking at that scenario right there. And then, of course, on our side, stopping Matt Ryan. And I'll tell you guys something right now. The one key that maybe you guys should be looking at from a Bears perspective is we have not enjoyed the play of our linebackers so far. So I'm looking at a guy like Hayden Hurst, had a big play, had some making some plays coming over uh, as a free agent in the offseason. I see a situation where him and Danny Trevathan is going to be a really interesting matchup. Trevathan has looked a step slow so far this year. You know, I don't know if you guys are rolling Todd Gurley out in the pass game a whole lot, but I'm looking at our linebacker play because, look, everyone knows Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. you got to account for those guys. you got to put multiple hats on them at all times. But in the middle of the field right there, I really can see the Falcons doing some damage in ways that maybe people aren't quite realizing right now. And it's really going to be a story of, can the Bears keep the Falcons under 24 points? And can the Bears get to 24 points? That's kind of how I see the game rolling out. Obviously, you mentioned Trubisky, and you know this is kind of one of those make-or-break type situations for him. The expectations were high. He's had his moments. But coming into this game, another key red zone. The Bears are only three of six in the red zone, and that's scoring, period. The Falcons, on the other hand, have given up an astounding nine out of ten red zone opportunities, all touchdowns, so something's got to give there. That's a key. Well, that's music to my ears. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, that is a good sign. In terms of the Bears, what we really liked a whole lot this past week was we were 9 of 16 on third down, which was, I mean, we started week one 0 for 7. I think we ended up finishing 2 for 11. That's just not going to cut it. So 9 for 16 in those situations works. And let's be honest, Trubisky has had difficulty in the red zone in the past. He's not exactly the guy that's going to thread the needle and find somewhere in the end zone. You're going to see a lot of interesting, gimmicky, gadgety type stuff in that red zone. You're going to roll Trubisky out. You're going to maybe do possibly a shovel pass with a tight end in motion. You're going to see a lot of different things. So, I mean, I think that's where the rubber meets the road, right? Can the Falcons shore up that position against what they would feel probably would be an advantageous matchup 
And can Mitch Trubisky finally cash in on those red zone situations against a team that has struggled so far? That's going to perhaps be the big wait and see of the game. You know, you mentioned your linebackers. You haven't been impressed. So I'm hoping, and the Falcons haven't had a 100-yard rusher since December of 2018. And that's been a big part of our offense. So that's something else for you guys to look out for is is can we break out against you guys and produce a 100-yard rusher? Because we had 95 yards, I think, this week. But... Just for anybody listening, Bears or, or Falcons, Matt Ryan versus the Bears. He's 3-2. and two. He's 112 for 177 with 1,397 yards. He's got five touchdowns, but he's also got four interceptions. Julio, another guy's 13 catches for 205 yards, but zero touchdowns. I think you could probably look for Calvin Ridley to have a really big day just because I think any – and he's off to a – blazing hot start but i think any any kind of success that he's had you can he needs to tip his cap to julio for sure yeah that's also a situation where i hear that stat of julio jones has never scored a touchdown against the bears and then it feels like that is exactly what's going to happen in week three it's like running that baseball stat of the guy hasn't walked anyone in 55 innings and then what happens he walks the guy and puts him on base you don't mind if i redirect real quick i want to ask you guys a question because you know, we're, all, we're talking about Matt Ryan and just his explosive numbers that he's putting up, but just from, you know, the outside glance of a Bears fan watching Falcon football, it looks like your offensive line has done pretty decently by itself. You know, allowed only one sack last week. Looks like Matt Ryan's got a ton of time to throw back there in conjunction with the running game that you're talking about. You guys must be liking what you're seeing from them. Well, it is improved, certainly. Now, Caleb McGarry is a question mark for this game left the Dallas game with a knee injury. He's not expected to play this week. The right side, though, has largely been better. And the line, I think it's safe to say, Robert, in general, has been better, at least through the two games. It has, and just since we started talking about Matt Ryan, I don't know what your opinion of Matt Ryan is, but I'm going to further back him up. I think we're on episode eight of this podcast. It's pretty new. But I came right out of the gates and told everybody Matt Ryan is a premier quarterback, and here's why. 2020, he's completed 67.8% of his passes, 723 yards, six TDs, and an INT for a 109 passer rating. That's his third best start in his entire career. He's on pace right now to go 488 for 720 for 5,784 yards and 48 touchdowns. He's also produced 38 first downs through passing in two weeks, and he's number one in the NFL right now. So Matt Ryan has been and will continue to be very good, despite the Falcons' woes. I completely agree, and let me tell you, I do a lot of fantasy sports on the side. I write for a website. I do videos. We talk. We make our rankings all day long, and I have Matt Ryan ranked five among fantasy quarterbacks heading into this year, and for me, the reason why I like that value a whole lot and the reason why I bumped him up was, and I don't mean this to sound derogatory, but for a lot of people nationally, Matt Ryan's kind of boring, you know, and I hate to say it, but 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns just doesn't do it for people anymore, which is so strange. But, you know, in a season when people are talking about Kyler Murray and Josh Allen and, you know, who, who's the young next young quarterback taking a step forward, you know, there's Matt Ryan again knowing that he is always going to keep you in a ball game. You know, he's taking you guys to a Super Bowl. You know, the dude is going to work on TV for the next 35 years as, you know, the face of a color, color commentary situation. I mean, trust me, Bears fans. I, I don't even want to. I don't even want to think about what we would do to be able to have someone like Matt Ryan on our team. I think he's a special quarterback. He's definitely a cut above the rest, and he's just been in the league so long that I think people are sort of on to the new story, if you will. And that does not take away from his talent. Last thing for you, Joey, real quickly here: the Falcons, and I'm not sure how they're handling this in Chicago, but here in Atlanta, they're allowing zero fans in the stadium. One thing Mitchell Trubisky will not have to deal with is the crowd noise, particularly down in that red zone where things get kind of clustered and all of that. How much of an impact do you feel like that has, and how are the Bears handling the attendance issue, limited or none? Well, let's handle the Bears for right now in terms of where we are at today. The mayor, the governor, have decided there will be no fans at this time in Soldier Field. It looks like they're leaving a little bit more of an open-ended possibility of something that we can maybe see 25% by the end of the season. But as of right now, it is zero fans in the stadium, which, you know, is something that each state has to deal with. But at the same time, I think they're going uh, safe over sorry in that situation. On the other side, with Mitch Trubisky, it's just really going to come down to, you know, can he make those plays and can he be able to keep the chains moving a little bit? 
what was so interesting, and I do think that the crowd noise helps him big time because a big problem with what happened to Mitch Trubisky last year was he was getting booed at home by the second quarter of games in September. Now you're like, wow, that sounds like a little early. Well, Chicago fans might think that that was a little too late to start booing him. His confidence is really key, and that's what makes him so hot and cold. When he starts connecting on a few passes here and there, he can really get going. So crowd noise, I believe, can certainly affect that. They have done a good job of getting in and out of the huddle this year. Last year, that was a big issue. So crowd noise-wise, that probably has helped him out a little bit too as well. But at the same time, with no crowd noise, I mean, it's all about confidence for Trubisky. So in the first half, you know, on second and third down, you saw him throwing a lot of quick passes, getting the ball out of his hands and getting it into skill receivers and having them try and make plays. In the second half, what really didn't start working out for him was it was almost that he got too much confidence and was trying to fit some balls into some tight windows, and that's where he got into trouble. In relation to all this, just with the crowd noise, I think no crowds are amazing for Mitch Trubisky, especially in a place like Atlanta that could probably get rocking and rolling very early. You hate to burn a first-half timeout just because you can't get the play in in time. Nothing drives a Bears fan more crazy than something like that happening. So for a quarterback like Trubisky, I think the no crowd has been a huge help for him so far. Joe, a quick opportunity for you to plug both your podcasts here on the Believe Entertainment Network. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you so much for having me on Believe in Falcons. What a wonderful podcast you guys have going on. I am the host of Believe in Betting Chicago. We talk all kinds of Chicago sports with a little bit of a gambling angle in there, but it's really just about passionate sports fans talking about the deep dives that all Chicago sports fans would talk about at a bar because you can't go to a bar right now. The other show I'm hosting right now is with former Chicago Bears offensive lineman Cameron Lee. That show is called Believe in Bears. And if you're looking for that quick hit post game, or if you're looking for the deep dive preview heading into the week to get you ready for Bears football, that is definitely a podcast that you can check out. And, of course, on the Believe Podcast Network. Joey, thanks a whole bunch. All the best to you, and we'll see how it turns out on Sunday. Yeah, thank you so much, you guys. Hope we get to talk again in the playoffs. (laughs) No doubt about it. Joey Christopoulos from Chicago, Believe in Bears, as well as Betting Chicago, joining us on our phone line here on Falcons Flight. Well, coming up, we will look a little bit more at what happened and what we think might happen in this game as the Atlanta Falcons host the Chicago Bears on Sunday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, two teams that aren't going to have any fans at their games for the foreseeable, and we'll see how this one turns out. I think it's a must-win, certainly, for the Falcons. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts, presents Lay in the Wood. The hardest hits from around the NFL. And here, Lay in the Wood, the commissioner, Mark Rich. This week's hit of the week comes to you from AT&T Stadium in Dallas. Dak Prescott drops back from the seven-yard line, finds tight end Dalton Schultz for a six-yard gain. And as soon as he lets go of the ball, Deion Jones delivers a monster hit. Rings his bell so hard, he probably thought he was back in the start field. Lay in the Wood is presented by Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts. Call 770-318-8880 for a free consultation today. I'm Brian Giffen. Robert Taylor is alongside. And fear ye not, because coming up next, you know it, you love it. It's the soon-to-be world-famous swirly segment right around the corner after we talk a little bit more football and get you ready for this one. This is Falcons Flight back right after this timeout. Like in football, whether it's in business, recreation, or life, you need a game plan. Is your computer running slow? Is it infected with viruses or malware? Maybe you're a gamer and really want a custom-built computer specifically for gaming. Perhaps like us, you want a lightning-fast, state-of-the-art, solid-state drive to replace that clunky, old-school one in your machine. Your game plan for any of this should be Computers Plus. A lot of the components we use to produce and bring you Falcon's Flight have been upgraded or provided by Computers Plus. Computers Plus is located in Ackworth, Georgia at 3330 Cobb Parkway Northwest, Suite 154. But wherever you are, they can help. Stop in and see them. They also feature a full line of accessories and refurbished equipment. Give them a call today at 770-693-0769 or check them out at computersplususa.com. You'll be glad you did. 
Mr. Hardwood is Atlanta's premier flooring expert, but Hardwood is just the beginning. Mr. Hardwood also installs laminate, tile, vinyl, carpet, and more. Your home is likely your biggest investment. Not only can you enhance its value with beautiful new floors, but our lifetime transferable warranty will enhance the value even more. If you stand on it, Mr. Hardwood stands behind it. Mr. Hardwood is committed to setting the industry standard for all your uniquely designed and professionally installed flooring solutions. Our number one goal is to exceed our customers' needs by providing value, quality, and exceptional service even after the sale. We take great pride in high-quality craftsmanship and integrity and are not satisfied until we have exceeded your expectations. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts. To set up your free consultation, call Mr. Hardwood today at 770-318-8880 or go to MrHardwoodInc.com. It is Falcons Flight Edition 8. As we prepare for week three of the 2020 regular season, the Atlanta Falcons and Chicago Bears about to roll around in Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Sunday. Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor. And we're back for the final segment this week on Falcons Flight. And before we get to some silliness, let's move on now from a very forgettable Sunday and cross our fingers perhaps that this approaching Sunday is more of a memorable one for the right reasons. Well, anybody will tell you, just in life, but more importantly, professional sports, well, any sport, you have to have that fighter's mentality. That game is over. It's done. It happened. It's gone. It's in the past. There's no need to dwell on it and even think about it because now you got to look forward to the Bears. Now, there's a little ray of light in here. Coming up for the Falcons, they've got the Bears. they got the Packers, Panthers twice, Vikings, Lions, Broncos. Green Bay and the Bears are unbeaten. They're both 2-0. and The combined record of all those teams I just rattled off is 4-10. and So, favorable, but the Falcons, other than not having a 100-yard rusher, they're putting up points. I think they put up, what, 25 versus the Seahawks, 39 yeah. versus the Cowboys. Matt Ryan in his first two games is just being Matt Ryan. Russell Cage looks like he's emerging as a, a very strong, you know, third option at receiver. You got Calvin, you got Julio, Hayden Hurst had 72 yards, had some nice catches. So the offense, offensive line, I think, is fine. It's the defense that needs to learn how to, and to borrow a quote from former Georgia coach Mark Rick, finish the drill. Finish out strong. Don't take your foot off the gas. And I would like to not hear from Dan Quinn for a while because he definitely is. And one term that I've heard about – Space? Yeah. <laughs> One term that comes up quite often in the past two, three seasons around Dan Quinn is that he's not himself anymore. He's not as fervent, and he doesn't have that fire when he first came to Atlanta. And I hear the term coach speak, and I'm starting to believe it. I'm starting to hear he's just, you know, let's run Dan out there. He'll do a little coach speak, and he'll say we're pissed, and and we've got all this speed, and just just be quiet for a while. Space. All All your coaching staff needs to be quiet for a while. But... As we're on that, I want to tell all the fans, the real fans, because, oh, my God, on Twitter, Scott Johns was on Twitter telling people to take a hike. There are people burning jerseys, bearing jerseys. You know, people were saying, I've been a Falcons fan for 52 years. I can't take it anymore. Then leave. Seriously leave. I'm not sounding the alarm at game two. Is that Was that game embarrassing? Yes. You're darn right it was. It's really embarrassing, and it makes it very tough to be an Atlanta fan. But anybody that's been an Atlanta fan for any time knows it's tough. I don't. It doesn't care if you're the Braves, the Hawks, the Falcons, no matter what. It's been tough, and it is tough, and it will continue to be tough. But that's what you do with your team. You support your team. You ride with your team. You die with your team. You hang in there for those moments when they do make a Super Bowl or they do have an impressive comeback win. And, again, that's one of my points on this show is, We've got to change the fan culture. And I'm going to ask this one question. I know we're running out of time. Do you think a fan base and how they react to their team, how they speak about their team, how they support their team, does that factor in a guy coming to town to play for the team? Interesting question. In these days, it's tough to say, but, well, you wouldn't rule anything out. Definitely. You know, because it's just, you look at the Patriots. Like, even when they lose a Super Bowl, they have – Tens of thousands of fans show up yeah. to support him at home. After the Falcons lost the Super Bowl, there were like three people and one old homeless guy that was missing a shoe <laughs> at Flowery Branch. It re- really, that's what happened. There was no. no one showed up. 
you know, they're whiny and bitchy, you know, and I just want that to stop. And, you know, 12th man. Well, a couple of things defensively you alluded to that being a key, and it certainly is. The Falcons need to get Kendall Sheffield back on the field. He's, of course, speedy cornerback, missed both games with a foot injury. That should help a little bit, the ability to cover and make plays on deep balls. And the pass rush, led by Grady Jarrett and Dante Fowler, they've had their moments, but it needs to be more consistent, and certainly in this game against a Trubisky who, if you can get him off his spot, he has at time had confidence issues. I see that personally as one of the huge keys in this coming game. That said, hey, Robert, uh, what time is it? Swirly time, swirly time, it's swirly time. The Falcons flight crew is intolerant of Jack Azaray. There is a special place where morons are plunged headlong into a blue vortex of irony. Where imbeciles are irrigated, dumbasses are drenched, and abject idiocy rinsed away. Where pompous assery comes face to face with porcelain. Where chlorine, tidy bowl, and bleach administer swift, swirling justice. This is our Game of Thrones. It is. Where mindsets and hairstyles are forever altered. They are. It is the Falcon's Flight Swirly segment. Now let's get this party started. Ah, yes. We have again polished the handle. We have lifted the lid. And we are about to... Send some fools swirl word. And I will lead this off because, well, again, that's sort of the way we've been doing it, so I'm going to go ahead and lead this off. A bungling felon from Washington State made a series of blunders when he shot himself in the testicles and tried to hide the weapon, (laughs) all while storing drugs in his anus, a report said Wednesday. Cameron Jeffrey Wilson was carrying a pistol in his front pocket while in his Kashmir, Washington apartment when the firearm accidentally discharged and pierced his groin and thigh, according to the Wenatchee World News. Wilson, who is not once, twice, not twelve, but a 13-time convicted felon, told his girlfriend to dispose of the weapon before heading to the hospital, the paper said. When the ex-con finally went to the hospital... A balloon of marijuana slipped out of his anus while a doctor was operating on the gunshot wound, court records show. Man, this just keeps spiraling. (laughs) Cops also arrived at the hospital when alerted of the gunshot wound and searched Wilson's car where they discovered a bag of meth in the blood-stained jeans he was wearing when he shot himself. The officers issued an arrest warrant for Wilson and he turned himself into police. And while he was being processed at the Chelan County Regional Justice Center, Wilson was strip-searched, and you guessed it, another balloon of marijuana slipped from his anus, the paper said. While in jail, Wilson made a number of calls to his girlfriend, because it's not like they monitor those calls or anything, right? And asked her not to cooperate with investigators working on this case. Authorities were listening in, as they typically do on the calls. I don't even know where to begin with this. I'm only going to say, hey, Jeff, lay off the meth. And while you're at it, hold your breath. Get over here. That's it, boy. Get in there nice and deep. Stick that balloon up in there nice and deep like. The reason that bad things happen to you is because you're a dumbass. (laughs) Robert, good luck topping that one, my friend. Oh, I've got to get our mascot untangled first. No doubt. Made a mess over here. Yep, that's Rocco, by the way. Oh, he finally has a name. He's got his third name. He's a turd. This one comes, strangely enough, Florida man. Now, this is just kind of base-level jackassery. I mean, it's dumb, but it's not the level of dumb that, (laughs) that we've or accustomed to on this show, but this happened Friday night while we were calling the North Cobb game. Winter Haven, Florida, CBS 12. A man in central Florida needed a ride home. Instead, he received a ride to jail. 
Winter Haven police said Jermaine Williams, 46, called 911 early Friday morning to report a dead body at the McDonald's on 5th Street Northwest. <laughs> Officers responded, as you would think, in a hurry. When they got to the fast food restaurant, there was no body to be found. Williams was just sitting on the curb, and he told police he'd tried to call a number of times earlier in the night to ask for a ride and didn't get one. So, you know, why not phone in the old phony dead body <laughs> gag? You know, to in get the a, Uber era, who the hell calls 911? He didn't, probably didn't have any money, but who the hell calls 911 when they need a ride? Well, you know, if you're hanging out on the curb of McDonald's late at night, you probably don't have any money. <laughs> but, yeah, charged with misuse of 911, and he is currently sitting at the Polk County Jail. My gosh. Hey, Jermaine, you're going for a ride, all right, but it's a swirling blue one. Get over here. <laughs> Maybe you'll see a fillet of fish down That's there. Yeah. Get in there, nasty. Extra tartar. reason that bad things happen to you is because you're a dumbass. Yeah, I think uh, it's safe to say that our two award winners this week both fit aptly that description. Yeah, and just to, to wrap it up and finish it out, you know, I, I made this comment the other day, and, and it might not be too much longer before we see these again, but uh, back in the 80s, you know, the Braves are having a pretty good season. I'm, I'm not watching this year, and we won't get into that. But in the 80s, they were both pretty abysmal. And for a while, at your local gas stations and whatnot, you could buy this bumper sticker. And it said, go Braves and take the Falcons with yeah. you. Seen those in Indiana. Go so, Colts and take the Pacers with you. Yeah. So uh, I, one more time, I want to remind people, we do have an email address, falconsflight66 at gmail.com. Drop us a line. Let us know what you love about the show. Let us know what you hate about the show. You can follow us on Twitter at falconsflight 66 we have a Facebook page, Falcons Flight. We're on Instagram, Falcons underscore Flight 66. If you want to follow Brian's personal Twitter account, he's at GIF Radio. Mine is at Driver 8 underscore RT. But we want to remind you it's a fan-centric show, and we'd love to hear from you. We want some feedback as we grow this thing and build this thing into your premier Falcons podcast. Also want to say thanks to Scott Johns of the Atlanta Falcons, who joined us in the opening segment and, of course, thanks to Joey Christopoulos from Chicago, who spent some time with us in our guest segment, In the Middle. Well, that'll about do it for this week's Falcons flight as we get ready for the Falcons and the Bears at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Sunday. We'll, of course, have a recap of that one. We hope a happier one. We'll certainly find out. But in addition to that, we'll look ahead beyond that week. And, boy, if they don't win this one, it's going to be awfully tough or the seat's going to get awfully warm if it isn't already for one Dan Quinn. That'll do it for this week's show, though. For Robert Taylor, Scott Johns, and Joey Christopoulos, I'm Brian Giffen. This is Falcon's Flight, a presentation of Believe Entertainment, the number one site for podcast professionals. Do you believe? We certainly do. Thanks again, though, to all the aforementioned folks, and we will talk to you next week, everybody. So long. Thank you for listening to Falcon's Flight. Tune in throughout the season for updates, insights, and analysis on the Dirty Birds. Falcon's Flight is a production of Believe Entertainment. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.